Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Western Centric, and thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I'm your host, Colton Davies, and alongside me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we're going to be talking about some history that was made this past week in the WHL. It actually just got announced a few hours ago. Um, we're going to recap the CHL Talk Prospects game. We'll chat a little bit about the playoff picture as it's starting to look complete with a couple more teams now clinching spots. A pair of female athletic trainers were on the benches for a WHL game this weekend in the, in the United States, so that's pretty cool. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and we have some more talk, of course, as we always banter about random <laughs> topics. Um, so yeah, I'll just start off with the WHL news that was released today. They tweeted out that six 16-year-olds have registered 50 points for the first time since 1984-1985. Um, those players are Connor Bedard and Tanner Howe, both of the Regina Pats. Andrew Crystal of the Kelowna Rockets, Riley Hayde of the Prince George Cougars, Braden Yeager of the Moose Jaw Warriors, and Zach Benson, of course, we have we had on as a guest from the Winnipeg Ice. I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, to think about the talent, and we've already talked to, you know, Scott Wheeler, and you and I have discussed this before, but these are all kids who aren't even eligible till next year. Yeah, well, it, it, it just adds to the to the craziness of that's going to be that draft. I mean, it's, it and this just is, keeps more evidence just keeps coming out every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is just WHL producing these players. Yeah. We're not yeah. like the, the OHL has got Cal Ritchie. Um, obviously they've got more guys. It's the only guy I can think of off the top of my head at the moment, but it's just, it's nuts. And so the WHL went on to say that um, back in 1984, 85, uh, they saw Craig and Dean with the Seattle Breakers, Mark Pedersen with the Medicine Hat Tigers, Rob Brown and Craig Hoggood of the Camelos Blazers, Theron Fleury of the Moose Jaw Warriors, and Glenn Wesley of the Portland Winterhawks. So some pretty throwback names. Of course, a few of those guys went on to have some pretty good NHL careers. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy to see that type of record be broken um, 30 some odd years later, essentially, like. <laughs> 30 plus years later like it's it's nuts yeah and what's it going to be like for next year i mean they get older yeah. and i mean uh, i don't know the, the next year's draft is i think a lot of movement is going to happen and you're gonna be like whatever i mean okay it's guys fifth tenth it <laughs> it's not gonna really matter um that first two rounds i mean it, it, like we've said in the past, this draft is going to be probably as good as that 2013 one, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to, it may even be better. We don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but it's sure shaping up to be a pretty good one. Like, I think, yeah, you look back at like when McDavid, Kyle Connor, and all these guys were selected. And you look back at the other drafts that we've talked about previously on all our other episodes, like, just the the amount of talent that's going to be in the first, second, and even in the third round next year is unfathomable. And yeah. like you just kind of stated, there's no reason to look at rankings. And we yeah. discussed <laughs> that with we discussed that with Zach and um and you know th there's no reason for people to look at rankings. I mean, everybody knows Connor Bedard is going to go number one, and that's it. That's yeah. the that's that's it. From there on, who knows what happens because we don't know what the deal is with with Montfey Mishkov. Um, we have no clue what's happening with the Russia situation, yeah. and God forbid that keeps going. Who knows what kind of 
consequences are going to come to the people. So it's just, you, you never know. And guys like, yeah, Andrew Crystal and even Bedard's teammate, Tanner Howe and Zach Benson, all these guys are going to just make a name for themselves. I'm excited. I'm yeah. Very, very excited. <laughs> yeah. We, we, well, we have this 2022 one to go for it first, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we got a whole year to wait. Yeah. We still got a whole year and a lot of excitement preparing for that. I'm sure, you know, you to be watching all the games that, in their draft years and how they're going to be performing. It's going to be really fun for anyone that follows hockey, follows the draft and prospects. This is going to be like Christmas all year. So, I mean, looking forward to it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And so on that note, um, we'll talk about this year's draft and the top prospects game that just finished up over the weekend. So uh, Jaeger Furcus of the Moose Tribe Warriors led team white to the win. They defeated team red three to one. Um, big, big game. I mean, the, there were some big names in the house. Of course, there was lots of NHL execs and GMs and guys like that. Um, Steve Eiserman was in the building. That was one of the big names that I knew yeah. about that I had heard. Um, but we'll just kind of break down here how the some of the WHL players did. So for Team White, Denton Matejchuk finished the game with one assist and a plus two. Furcus, of course, had a goal and an assist. He was also a plus two. Uh, Matt Slingren was a plus one and he was also a one for one on faceoffs. I put a question mark beside that because um, I thought it was kind of funny that a defenseman was taking faceoffs. <laughs> but as we go down this list, you'll find out that another defenseman took a faceoff for Team Red. So, uh, so, anyways, moving on, Owen Pickering finished with a plus one. And Pickering is actually a defenseman I really like at a Swift Current. And he's somebody that I, oh, I can't remember who it was at the hockey writers. I saw them tweet about Pickering just this past week. But uh, he's just a guy that's really kind of flying under the radar, I think. But yeah. he'll be a good, he's going to be a good pickup. So we'll see. And then Connor Geeky, four to 10 on faceoffs. Uh, Tyler Brennan picked up the win. He stopped three out of the out of four in the first uh, 29 minutes of action. And Mason Bopit stopped all 16 in 30 minutes of action to close out the game. Um, for Team Red, it, don't worry, this list is not that long for Team Red. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Seminoff just had an assist. Kevin Korchinski, uh, he was the only one with a penalty for, the, for any of the WHL players, uh, but he went one for one on faceoff. So that's the other defenseman that took a faceoff. Uh, Fraser Minton was pretty strong in, the, in that red dot circle with three out of six. And then Reed Dick stopped 23 shots for um, the second half of the game for Team Red. So that's your rundown. Um, you you watched the game? Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it it was stuck on four there i believe it was team red stuck on four shots forever and yeah. it's like <laughs> they couldn't That's get any I, shots on goal i mean i was but, kind of uh, looking at like the what i noted there for tyler brennan stopping three out of four shots and i was like did i write that correctly but yeah <laughs> i did yeah that's all they got uh, so <laughs> but i mean it was a good game overall I, I felt it was a lot more competitive than um you know, when usually yes. these all-star games, like mm-hmm. all these, it was a lot more competitive. It felt like a regular game. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was good. It was nice. It was good to watch. Um, there were some flashes from guys like Matt Savoy had a, had a nice dash to the net. What he usually does, he goes to yep. the net and um, uses speed and his, and his, uh, you know, skating and to go to the net like that. And, like the way he plays, he's just not afraid to go to the net. And then he showed that it was, I mean, he wasn't as dominant as I thought he should have been, but you know, yeah, still good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, for he, he, for a player that's projected to be a top five pick, I thought maybe he um, could have shown a little bit more per se, but it was a, it was a good game. Like I, I really enjoyed it. And I liked how you, talked right away about the competitive integrity and there was a lot more I found in this compared to um, previous games. Yeah. Just, just because I feel like the previous ones were more treated as an all-star game. And I think this time around, I I don't know what changed, but maybe, maybe it's just the pandemic and us not having a top prospects game over the last couple of years that the players felt the need to, to, you know, play hard. Um, Yeah. It was really enjoyable. And I was talking with my dad about this and I was saying that what I think would be cool is if they held this as like the competitive game, but they also did some type of CHL all-star game on the Sunday Mm -hmm. and they just had a bunch of players, like other players as well. 
Um, 20 year olds, of course, can come and play and it just gets it's just it allows for more competition and more players to just get a name for themselves because guys like Luke Toporowski could go out and, you know, debut our Steve Baines, of course, already signed with Vancouver, but it would give him a chance to get out there a little bit more. Um, Bailey Peach, of course, I, I think it'd be kind of neat if they did something like that, but that's a lot of money. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's happening ever. And that's what they use the world juniors for. So, yeah, no, that's true. Um, I mean, that's a good idea, but yeah, like you said, I think, I think they would never do that because yeah, it's a lot of money to put these things on and get the guys out there. And yeah. But I mean, overall the game was good. I got some guys, you know, we're going to talk about Jaeger Furcus uh, about him and he put in, he put himself on the map uh, a bit more in this game and how he played. So uh, that goal is probably the best player apart from, I mean, Shane Wright got player of the game as well, but um, yeah. I think Fergus was more noticeable overall. I, I love just like his, the, his edge work and just how quick he is. And he jumps into that middle lane and just snaps it home. I mean, that puck was like, like had, to, had to have been 90 miles an hour. It mm-hmm. was a fiery shot. Um, and the funny thing that they were talking about too. So similar to um, Zach Benson, Fergus was drafted at 5'5", 122 pounds. Yeah. And now he's 5'10", 160. So it goes to show you that you can't really be all judgmental when you're drafting a 13 or 14 year old kid. And that's something that I'm laughing about because we've talked about this. We judge these kids. Sorry, we don't judge these kids at all, but we talk about these kids and what they, you know, in the Bantam drafts and, Oh, so-and-so goes first overall, like Macklin Celbrini. What can he do? Well, who knows what he can do? He's 15. Yeah. Right. right. It's, (laughs) it's hard to predict unless you have a guy like Connor Bedard. Um, But Fergus, you know, to get back on topic, Furcus was just fantastic throughout that whole game. I think he's somebody that um, would really skyrocket on a lot of rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, He's really just put his name out there a bit more. And he was, yeah, I just love how, how evasive he is out there and just, uh, just his shots. Like he, he can snap that puck so quick. Yeah. He's a, he's a a guy that I um... I think it's great. It kind of reminds me of like, like Andrew Mangiapane, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of Andrew Mangiapane in a sense. Like I don't know, just just that kind of play style. Yeah, he, no, that's a good comparison. I think he's one of those guys that he may now. I mean, there have been rankings that have put him just outside of the first round, but I think he mm-hmm. could potentially be in that like uh, 29, 30, yeah. you know, that range. Now and I mean, you never know. I mean, you're looking at guys that some of these teams, if they really like a guy, they could draft him higher than they may be put in ranking. So we'll see. But I mean, it's one game. I mean, in the end, it's is one game sample size. But I mean, Fergus is not. He's not like he's not having a bad having a. He's having a good season too. So yep. Yeah, I believe he has 30 goals, something like that. I think that's the last time I checked his stats. So, yeah, I mean, and so exactly, good. he's having a solid season, and um, and I agree. I think he's somebody that definitely could fit into that 29, 30, 31, I guess 32. Yeah, yeah well, wow. 32, yeah, <laughs> there's 32. It, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, obviously, these are what these types of events are for they're to showcase talent and to give players like Furcus, um, just a, a bit more of an edge to get their name out there, and it works. Yeah. So congrats to him. I mean, he's he led he leads the WHL um and helps Team White get that victory. So good for him. Yeah. He's got 35 goals and 78 points this season. So he's having yeah, a pretty no, good season. Not, not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, so that, well, that's yeah. It, it was a fun, I would say it was a fun game and uh it's great to watch. And I'm sure a lot of scouts got a big uh a lot of their notebook full with that, some of these guys. So um, yeah, for sure. Another guy I want to kind of say is but Reed Dick had a good game too. Um, yep. For a goaltender. I mean, a lot of these, like you said, the goaltending in this draft is not very strong. So him having a really good game could put him in the conversation of being drafted in the later rounds when maybe he wasn't before. So um, good for him as well, uh, getting the win and um, not getting the win, but playing really well and uh, 
you know, closing out that game. Yeah. And yeah. And so speaking of the win, Tyler Brennan, I mean, that just, I mean, he stopped three out of four shots there. I mean, come on. It wasn't really much for him to, to stop, but he, he gets the win. So it's good for him. <laughs> um, but you know, that's like, that's the one goalie that we've talked about. That kind of is the only goalie in the first, like what one to three rounds that seems to be relative in talks and rankings. So it's yeah. just, yeah, the, it's slim pickings when it comes to goaltender goaltenders this year, but um, good for Reed Dick to have that performance, obviously, and uh, get his name on the map a bit more, like you said. Yeah. So now moving on to playoffs, and uh, that's coming up soon. Uh, WHL yep. playoffs are kind of, they're still up in the air. There's still three spots in each conference still up for grabs, which is kind of crazy yep. this late in the season. And it's funny because uh, I'm looking at the standings, and some of these guys, some of these teams are going to make the playoffs. I mean, they should be kicked out right away in the first round looking at especially the western conference i mean uh the last few spots i mean look at the spread between the two i mean between five and six it's like it's what 26 points so <laughs> yeah um that's so, a I mean, pretty big stretch it's pretty big and the giants who we thought wasn't going to make the playoffs they may actually so <laughs> they might sneak in there it's funny because you look at that in those, you know, those later seed teams are going to, uh, they're going to feel the wrath of teams like Everett and Kamloops and um, Winnipeg and Edmonton on the East, of course. And it's almost what Daryl Sutter said uh, last week about teams that have to play Colorado. It's just a waste of, just a waste of time. <laughs> you may as well just give up. Like it's not going to go well for you. Um but, but on you the know, other hand, you, you never know. You never know. Playoffs are it's, new season. It all goes to it's zero. the underdogs. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, these teams can't go. It's like, oh, we're going to roll them over. Look at what mm-hmm. Columbus did to Tampa Bay um, not that long ago. And yep. Tampa Bay was one of the best teams, actually the best team that year. And they got kicked, swept four straight. So, I mean, you don't know. I mean, you can't – most on paper, yeah, that's probably – uh, you know, the other side has more of the strengths, but you get into a, a seven game series, you never know what can happen. And uh, it's the same thing with anything. So it'll be interesting to see most likely. I mean, these teams are probably going to get kicked in the first round, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. And if you look at the East, it's a lot more conjumbled there. Cause yeah. you got, you got the, on the West, you got Vancouver there sitting at 50 points. And then on the East, you've got Brandon at 65, but then you've got Lethbridge all the way down to Regina. <laughs> so you've got five teams battling to, for the seven and eight spot, all between 51 and 58 points. I mean, with only a limited number of games left too, like we've talked about. I mean, it's, yeah, it's crunch time for those teams. Yeah. I didn't know how bad medicine hat was this year. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. They really, uh, felt uh they really went downhill this year 26 points oh my gosh yeah but uh you know and this is where i mean i've said this boy for the nhl in the past is it's kind of unfair because the eastern the west are going to have like two teams in there or three teams in there that uh may shouldn't really deserve it they should have a crossover yeah. because the east has so many teams that have way more points than them they should be making the playoffs over them but yeah not how it goes <laughs> no then that's true though i mean it, yeah it's an interesting concept and playoffs are always just weird too like you were saying too like it's always oh how do you put it like it's the unthinkable can happen yeah right like a team like victoria or vancouver can come in at six or seven and just i mean take out a camops or take out a portland or an everett and that would change the whole course of the, of the playoffs for everybody yeah. You get those, you get those teams that ride high and they just dominate. I mean, I don't know if you are much of a basketball fan, but I'm sure some of our listeners know if you watched the March March Madness tournament that just took place in the uh, NCAA, there, there was a one of those bottom seed teams, St. Peter's, and they went on a dream run, and I think they got into the Elite Eight. Like they just went on this crazy, crazy run and defeated all these top teams, and. Yeah, it's just something that we can see happen, of course. And that's what I love about playoffs. So it's like you said, too, it's a, it's a new seat. Yeah. So 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. And that's like I say, that's why we that's why they play the games. If uh, they would just look at this at the points and just say, well, okay, they win, they win, they win, but that's why yep. they play the games. <laughs> yep. Who do you think could be the underdog? Oh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, yeah, a lot of the especially for the teams that are that are gonna make it in as those lower seeds and lower points. I mean, I don't want to say. I mean, a lot of them aren't playing very well right now. The Giants are on a four-game losing streak. They're not, you know, if they make the playoffs, they're not not really, they're backing into the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, it's, unless they can turn it around here, they're not going to be going in, into it with a lot of confidence in their game. So, um, I'm not really picking them yet. Victoria, the Royals, I mean, they... Seven they, and three in their last ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas Portland potentially, I mean, the Thunderbirds could maybe come up there three points back. So they could yeah. end up there. Um, Portland could catch Kamloops too. I mean, there's three points back of them. So yep. um, with very how close, I believe there's like, what? 10, 10 games left? Something like that. Yeah, less, so, less than, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of games to kind of make up those points, but there's could be some movement. There's no real, you know, set matchups right now um so we'll see what happens i think i think if i could pick an underdog i, I want to say it's probably like i want to say it's like saskatoon i mean they are a little bit lower on that but i i yep. think they could potentially um be an underdog team um not sure i mean the west i don't know if there's really anyone uh, yeah I don't want to say they're underdogs because there's a lot of strong teams in the West. I mean, so I mean, I want to say it's Saskatoon right now. I like that pick. I think, yeah, yeah if I were to pick anybody for the West, it'd probably be Victoria just because of that seven and three record that they've held in the last 10 games. And they've got you know, some good players, obviously, like Gannon the Rock and Bailey Peach. And, but, I don't know. Like, yeah, I like that Saskatoon pick. I think that's a good one as well. Yeah. Cause I mean, Tristan Robbins is having a heck of a season. I mean, <laughs> yep. So I mean, and seven, Nolan Myers in that and yeah. they, yeah, they're not a bad, they're not bad at all there. Um, that actually, it actually works out well and segues into this next little topic here. Um, so Merrick Schneider, the younger brother of Braden Schneider, uh, currently plays with Saskatoon Blades. Uh, he scored his first WHL goal over the weekend. It took him 56 games, took him a little bit. Um, but this is a kid who, I mean, could he pan out like his brother? I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, but he's a, he's a defenseman who definitely has the tools to work with and a team can mm -hmm. definitely work with. And I think that's what's unique about him and kind of why I'm highlighting him. And I've seen some people talk about him a little bit, um, yeah. but yeah, good for him to get that goal. And then obviously Braden Schneider is a big name um, that lots of people know about um, in the Vancouver area now lately, because there was a lot of talk about a potential trade that involved JT Miller, where Schneider could have been a part of the package that was part of the return. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I really, we've talked about him before, but I really like him. I like his play style. He's physical, but he brings an offensive um, toolkit that, is able to be used in a top four setting in the NHL. And he's able to play the physical role too, like I've said. Um, and he would have been great, I think, on that Canucks defense because he's a right shot. Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. Is he right? Yeah, yeah. he's right. Yeah. And that's what they need. So he would be so good. Oh, it just, he would be so nice to have <laughs> in that role. But I mean, what were your thoughts about him? And obviously what were your thoughts about the potential trade that could have happened? Well, I mean, Brayden Schneider, he has been in the news as being a guy that the Canucks were targeting in that, those, tr that trade. And obviously he wouldn't be the only guy in that package because I mean, the way Miller's been playing this year has been out, out of this world. So, I mean, yeah, if you're trading him, this guy is one of the pack, one of the pieces of the package. I mean, you're getting a first round pick in there and a whole bunch of other things, I think, but uh, you know, I really like him with the Canucks. I think, I think he'd be a perfect partner for Hughes um, yeah. because he's that right-hand shot. He's great defensively. Like you said, is his size. I mean, he's six, two, 
Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's got all this, the real things that uh, you'd want in a top pairing defenseman. Um, and again, he's, he's got that offensive upside as well. I mean, not a huge type point totals that he probably would put up. Like he's nope. not going to be a 50, 60 point defenseman. I don't think, but nope. uh, he could be a 30, um, 40 and, and be really good defensively. And he's really, and again, he's young, he's 20 years old. So, I mean, he's still yep. got a lot of, a lot of growing to do and a lot of potential in his game. So I don't know if the Rangers would part with him for Miller, but I mean, there was talk about it. So it's not like that wasn't in there. So I would probably do that trade it's, and some other pieces in there. I mean, Schneider's the centerpiece, but I would, I would look at it. So that'd be the guy I'd be targeting from the Rangers. If, if that is the case, if that actually happens. Uh, I agree. And he, between him and the other defenseman that was talked about from New York, Nils Lundqvist, yeah. I was yeah. more of a fan of Schneider. I liked Lundqvist, like because Lundqvist was a guy who would be able to step in right away. Like that was what they were going to look at. Um, I don't know if Schneider would have stepped in right away. I don't know. We're, we're procrastinating because it's something that never happened. But <laughs> I mean, there's potential it could happen at the draft, I guess. Um, but in you know, in thinking about it though, I think he would have been a great. Um, a great pairing for Hughes because it would have elevated Hughes similar to what Luke Shen's doing right now, where it's allowing Hughes to focus on his offense because he knows that if somebody hits him or, you know, goes after him, Luke Shen's right there. Yeah. And Luke Shen will go and hit the guy or try to fight the guy. I mean, we've seen it. Luke Shen stuck up for Brad Hunt a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, this is not a Canucks podcast, but <laughs> we both write for the Canucks. So it's hard not to talk about them, but you know, he would have been able to be that guy for Hughes and they could have developed that relationship where he can focus on offense. Schneider focuses on the, the defense side of his game and they can be that one, two punch for over a decade. Like, yeah, that's something that they 100%. could run with for 10 plus years. Yeah. Um, and his, like his point totals and Brandon were great. Like, or sorry, weren't, weren't great, but they were well enough that, kind of it looks like he would put up that 30 point mark in the nhl especially playing on a first line with a guy like hughes and then having petterson and those guys up front yeah it's it's hard not to envision like a good success for schneider in vancouver yeah and i think he's one of those yeah he's but these this is the guy that i think Canucks should be targeting i either him or someone like him because um I think they need a long-term partner for Hughes. I mean, Shen, Shen is still, he's older. I mean, it's not he's like 32, he's, 33, yeah, 32. So it's not like he's yeah. going to be around forever. And Hughes still has a decade uh, to go in the NHL. So, or yep. more, um, not just oh, yeah. a decade. He's like 20, 22 or something. Right. So um, yep. 10, 15 years still to go in his career. So, I mean, he's going to need someone else to be partnered with them. That's similar to Shen, but I think you need a guy that has a bit more offensive upside to make that a true, uh, powerful number one pairing that, uh, you know, you can look around the league that have these, um, high powered pairings that, that lead the team. I think the Canucks need that. So, I mean, we're talking a bit longer on the Canucks part of it, but I mean, Schneider, he's a guy that I think the Canucks should be targeting in, that type of defenseman if it's not schneider yep agreed yeah agreed for sure um just those types of you know and that's what i love about the whl they, they produce these types of defensemen like Brady yeah, all the time and, <laughs> and exactly they've continuously have done it for the, the entire time the whl has even been alive they've done they've done that and it's just yeah it's good to see um, and again, shout out to Merrick Schneider for picking up his first goal. Um, but some other big news to move things along. Uh, Matthew, you want to talk about yeah. what happened in Tri-City over the weekend? Yeah, um, it, it's another great step forward for uh, women's hockey in this. I mean, um, pair of female athletic trainers are behind the bench. Like, uh, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show there, uh, Midge Peterson for Tri-City and Taylor Curry for Seattle. Um, both, both behind the bench, both athletic trainers for them. And that is a big step. Um, 
I think, I think they should be moving towards like, you know, coaching and stuff like that. in the, you know, in the junior leagues too, but this is a good step forward and uh, great positive. Like I could say the women's game needs to keep growing um, and women need to be in it too. I mean, I've said that a lot for a long time and uh, it's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's something we're going to start seeing more of too over the next, you know, couple of seasons here, even in major junior, because we've seen it in the, um, in the NHL level where more women are getting roles in or getting staff related roles and coaching related roles, which is, which is awesome to see. Um, and to have that in major junior now is even, even better. Um, so, you know, great for them. Um, it's exciting to see the game continue to grow, obviously. And then, you know, speaking of women's hockey, um, something I just wanted to kind of bring up. So over the weekend, the PHF crowned the Boston Pride as the Isabel Cup champions for the second straight year in a row. So um, the Premier Hockey Federation, which is the women's version of the NHL, but better because they don't want to be the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great hockey. Like watching it is great. It's it's really fun to watch. And, you know, Tyler Tuminia, um, I might have butchered her last name, so my apologies. But she was on the Jeff Merrick show just the other day, and she was talking about um, she's the, the CEO of the PHF, or the commissioner, I guess you could say. But she was talking about big things that are coming for the game of hockey for, for these women and for their, for their group. And, you know, the league now has, um, they got like a $25 million um, injunction. So they get all these salaries now for these players and it's just awesome to see. So yeah. that's my little spiel. I'm, I'm done. I just <laughs> wanted to say that I just thought it was cool. And um, obviously the PHF had an agreement too with ESPN plus. So I think that's the other thing that would, will become bigger in Canada, like maybe like Sportsnet or TSN. will start picking up these games and it'll just grow the game even more. Yeah. Well, I mean, just watching the Olympics and, uh, you know, world championships and stuff like that. It, I think the women's women's hockey is really exciting to watch. Um, the skill is there. I mean, you see some of their shots. I mean, they, they look like NHL shots. I mean, it's not like these are, uh, this is lesser hockey. It's exciting hockey. I think if they did um, put it and put all the money behind it, it would grow and it would be successful. I mean, look at how many people watched the gold medal game. I mean, yeah, it was insane. So Yep, exactly. I mean, and that's just, yeah, that goes to attest to, to that exactly. And then, I mean, and then MPP, she gets the contract offer to go play in the East Coast League um, and then turns it down, of course, and wants the, you know, wants the league and the team to put money into um, women's hockey and to put a better spotlight on it. And I think that's the right choice. I mean, there's no reason for her to go play with the men. Yeah. Um, when we can just grow the game for the women. And that's exactly what I think is awesome to see. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so on to our next topic though. Um, so shout out to them though, of course, uh, Midge, Midge Peterson and Taylor Curry. Good job. Um, and shout out to Tri-City and Seattle and the rest of the WHL for honoring that this week. Um, but moving on the WHL player of the week, Lucas Feshkovsky of the Seattle Thunderbirds. He had five goals, three assists, and eight points in three games. Most of these guys that have been named uh, Player of the Week the last few weeks have had like eight or ten points in three games, I've noticed. It's kind of ridiculous. They have some pretty hot weekends. Yeah, right. (laughs) But Feshkovsky was originally selected by your Vancouver Giants um, and then was acquired in a trade by Seattle. um, Was acquired by Seattle from in a trade with Medicine Hat. My apologies, read that wrong in December of 2021. Um, and so far in 192 WHL games, he has amassed 155 points and he was selected by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the fourth round of the 2020 NHL draft. So this is a project type player, but obviously somebody else who's having um, an upside season. And it's good to see that. I mean, those later round picks, we've talked about it before. I mean, the the guys that are selected from rounds three to seven are normally do those project players, but it's, it's always really cool to see them pan out and become, um, whether they become top six or bottom six players, it's awesome to see them get into the NHL. Yeah. It's such I, I liked him 
Um, I believe I had him ranked somewhere in one of my rankings. I, he does name sounds familiar to me and uh, he, he does. Um, it's great to see him producing. And uh, again, those third, fourth round picks, I mean, they sometimes pan out to be pretty good players. And uh, there's a lot of them in the league right now that are drafted in that range and they're having success. So he could be another one of them. We'll have to see, but uh, good for him having those, I mean, producing eight points in three games is pretty good. So, and Seattle's going to the playoffs. So we'll see how, uh, how he does there too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so former Kelowna Rockets and Canlis Blazers defenseman Joe Gattenby was named a U sports top eight academic all Canadian for the 2020, 2021 season. That was a mouthful. Holy cow. <laughs> but Gattenby, I remember him playing here in Kamloops. I believe he played a year. I believe he played one year at Kamloops. Now that could be wrong. But I do recall him playing, and he was a good defenseman, a very mobile defenseman. Um, but he went on to play with the U- University of New Brunswick and uh, is in pursuing a Bachelor of Business with honors in finance. Um, he's a very smart guy, though. Yeah. Uh, I, won't, I won't bore you with all this. I'll quickly run through it. He's got a 4.3 GPA and he's a three-time academic All-Canadian, but on the ice um, was even better. Obviously, he was recently named a second team All-Star and he won the Don Wells Trophy as the most sportsman-like player in his conference. In 2015, though, he was part of Kelowna's WHL championship winning team and that same season, he won the WHL's Western Conference Scholastic Player of the Year Award so this guy is just an all-around brainiac, and <laughs> he is uh, a winner on and off the ice. So good for him. Yeah, good for him. I mean, 4.3 GPA, That's uh, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot smarter than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I never got that high. Um, yeah. But, I mean, and what he's doing it in is, is in, like, business and management and, oh, yeah. my gosh, finance, honors in finance. I mean, this guy's not uh, – he's he's a pretty smart he's pretty smart yep, <laughs> he's actually sure. pretty good on the ice too so uh, yep. so good for him and that that's that's awesome yeah. so um to finish off uh the show here we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about jerseys again and uh <laughs> we talked about it on the other one of the other podcasts and went on a bit on it and um this is another time that whl teams are honoring the indigenous people and uh the Canucks are doing it, I believe, um, tomorrow too. So uh, that's yep. a good kind of connection here. So, I mean, special jerseys being worn by the Calgary Hitmen and the Camus Blazers. Um, they're going to be, of course, auctioned off at, at the end of the game. Proceeds are going to go, are going to be distributed to, uh, you know, charities and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Um, you know, there's a question here on this. Uh, should the NHL adopt what the CHL has and wear the special jerseys rather than the practice uh, ones? I mean, I just said the Canucks are going to be doing something like that um, tomorrow. So, I mean, there is a bit into it. Um, what do you think, uh, Colton? There's, uh, I mean, their Blazers are going to be wearing these. So, it's this, this going to be pretty awesome. Well, those jerseys are wicked. I mean, yeah, they're wearing those jerseys tomorrow night as well, Wednesday. Um I might go to the game, but nonetheless, the jerseys look unreal. Um, I know some local artists had got some got to help with the design. Um, I think they're super cool. I've said that about three times now. Holy cow. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I think, you know, I what I really love, and we've talked about this before, which is why I kind of highlighted it when I texted you this. And it's a repeat topic. But I like that in the CHL, they wear the jerseys like they wear the breast cancer jerseys they wear the remembrance day jerseys they wear the pride jerseys and they wear these ones in the game in the nhl they just use them as a damn practice jersey or like a warm-up jersey and then it's and then they're auctioned off i think it would be a lot cooler if they use them in the game too yeah no, yeah, we did talk about that uh in another another episode and i do i agree and i i think I think they should definitely do. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, you're still going to auction off the, the jerseys at the end to make them game worn. I mean, it's, it's not like, and it'd be more special because they are game worn jerseys now um, yeah. played in the game. So, I mean, why not? Well, I mean, what, I don't know. 
<laughs> no, and that's exactly it. It's about in the money. The, I don't what understand why the teams don't do it either because it's not like the money's going to the teams when they do these types of special event jerseys. The money's going to charities or going yeah. is going somewhere and being distributed to a third party. And that's exactly why I think like there shouldn't be any reason why the NHL's not not doing it. I it would look super cool if the Canucks wore those orange jerseys the entire game tomorrow against St. Louis. Like, yeah. That would be super awesome. And on that note too, um just on the jerseys quickly, the Logan Stankoven Blazers jersey is going for $700 currently on auction. So huh. just it the amount of money that's going to be raised is is great. Yeah. It goes right back into this it goes back into the indigenous communities and it's it it's great for everybody all around. Yeah. And on that note about uh you know jerseys being played in the games and I I think personally I don't think they get enough showcase if they're just doing yeah. it in the practice. I mean or the warm up because how much of the warm up do we see on TV? Yeah, none. Most of the time we don't. We see the little yeah. highlights of like a little little video in the intermission. It's like, oh yeah, they wore these. Yep. Okay. But the only people that see it a lot is if they go to the game. So if they put it during the game, that's national or whatever, um, national coverage on on TV that you know much more people are seeing it. Um you may get even more interest on the auctions. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a no brainer. Why not? I mean, I don't understand what the reasoning is why they don't want to do it, but it's just never happened in the history of the NHL of how many times they've done these things. And there's some super cool concepts. And over the last few years, there's even cooler concepts that of course have came out in the NHL. I mean, um, the, the breast cancer awareness ones are the same throughout every team the camo military ones are the same throughout every team. But I mean, it's really refreshing to see the Canucks go like with that orange, orange rope. Sorry. I almost couldn't pronounce that word, (laughs) but it's just cool to see. Like it's not their everyday normal color. Obviously they have the the black skate Jersey that everybody drools over, but just for them to go out of the box and get that orange for the every child matters. And just to use that, I think is awesome. And if they wore that the whole game, it's like you said too, you could get the puck marks on it and there's just way more meaning to it. I find. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. And I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to see it. I mean, no, there's some reason why they don't want to do it. And um, we get reverse yes, retros yes. next year. And I think that's cool. So I'm excited to see that again in the NHL, but that's about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's all as far as it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to talk about. Um, I just had one more topic that I was listening to this earlier, just before we started recording. Um, so 32, the 32 thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman got me thinking. Um, so they were talking about players staying another year for school in the NCAA. Um, example is Matt Coronado with Harvard. Um, he's decided he does not want to go play in Calgary this year and he'll stay back. Um, obviously another example would be Aiden McDonough announcing he wants to go back to Northeastern, but then they talked about guys like, um, Nick Abersese, who's making his debut tonight for Toronto, Owen Power with Buffalo and Jordan Harris, who signed his ELC with Montreal and Washington signed, um, Vancouver born goaltender, uh, Clay Stevenson as well. So anyways, it, it got me thinking. Who are some players who were selected in the WHL Bantam draft that opted to go to the NCAA rather than play in the Western Hockey League? And a few of those guys are Jonathan Taves with the Tri-City Americans, Austin Matthews with the Everett Silvertips, Tyson Jost with the Everett Silvertips, Kent Johnson with the Everett Silvertips. There's a pattern there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I'm not sure what it is, but the Silvertips could not recruit any of those guys. Um, and just a few more, Cam York with the Red Deer Rebels, Dante Fabro, Seattle Thunderbirds, Ryan Lindgren, uh, Brandon Wheat Kings, Kale McCarr with the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, Swift Current, Keandre Miller, Saskatoon. But I do believe Keandre Miller did play a little bit with Saskatoon. I can't remember, but I, I'm not too sure on that one. Um, but Alex Kerfoot's have really won as of another big name there as he was a Seattle Thunderbirds pick and he never went to go play for them either. Um, And it just got me thinking like, 
I wonder what the thought process is behind some of those players and what, you know, what the, the teams would have looked like, you know, if Everett would have had an Austin Matthews, because that was at the time when they had Dustin Wolf, they had Noah Juleson. I mean, that could have been a pretty deadly team. Yeah. And that Kale McCarr one too. And Kale McCarr. Tigers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think what it is is that a lot of these guys want to do that college route because they get more, uh, you know, more of an education. And uh, I mean, yeah, the WHL gives out their scholarships and stuff like that, which is great. But uh, the NCAA just gives you that, you know, that you know, education degree and stuff that you can have after after you're done hockey. And I think a lot of these guys they they look at that and they say, well, this is more valuable to me in the long run after my hockey career is over or if my hockey career even gets off the ground, I I do get their, their thought process there. Um, So, I mean, as much as we would love to see that, I would have loved to see that. um, I think that's why a lot of these guys go that route because they want to have that fallback. You know, if they don't make it um, big in the NHL, they have something an education to fall back on. And I'd understand that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and to note, Austin Matthews did not go play in the NCAA. He went and played in Switzerland. I just wanted to make yes, sure people that they knew did. that. Yeah, I, I, I know I said that, <laughs> but yeah, he went and played in Switzerland, which was, I mean, frick, we'd never, we I don't I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we'd ever seen something like that before. Like completely no. disregarded going to play like junior A, major junior or NCAA and just went over to play Europe. Yeah. That, think, was, that was different. It was different. I've, I totally forgot about that, actually, that Matthews did that. Um, he was drafted out of Switzerland, not uh, out of anywhere else. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting, I, that's for interesting. sure. I mean, he could have made that Everett team deadly. Holy oh, cow. Yeah. Um, but And just to think, like, you think about his development, too. Like, we talk about how the WHL is a good developmental league, but look at, look at him. Like what would he have done in the WHL? Like he would have probably put up Connor Bedard numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's hard. That's obviously ske- skeptical to say. And it's <laughs> no, I, I get he, he probably could have. Yeah. A pure goal scorer. I mean, I, I definitely could see, see that. I, I don't know. He may be actually a more physical player if he played in the, in the WHL. So I almost <laughs> wonder if that would have, if that would have helped him because not, not the European hockey isn't physical, but it definitely, I think him playing in Switzerland rubbed off on him that, mm. you know, not that he's not used to taking the big bumps that he sometimes takes. I, I mean, yeah. he's a big guy though. He's six, three and 200 something pounds. I mean, he he's a big guy out there. So if he really, if he turns that corner and he can get that physical game up, Holy cow, watch out. Yeah. Well, he's already deadly, so yep, exactly. <laughs> Add more to it. <laughs> and to note, Jonathan Taves, who went number one overall to Tri City in 2003, then completely disregarded them and went to the University of North Dakota. That must have stung the Tri City Americans. Oh, but yeah. just to bring this up, like it's just a fun little note. No other player going first overall has ever done that since. Every other player has committed to their team in the WHL and played. Huh. So Taves set some sort of little, little streak there and people, yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to read that. I was thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, just to finish that off about Aiden McDonough and everyone's kind of freaking out why he's going back. Mm-hmm. To, um, I, I, you know, stuff that's come out since, um, that decision was put out that, you know, McDonough said he's not, he, you know, it's not the against the Canucks. He feels he's going to develop more in the NCAA. And I was like, well, why doesn't he just sign and just play the rest of his? I, I think he just doesn't want to deal with that right now. I mean, he just wants to focus on coming, you know, going for another year and then he'll sign. He'll sign. I mean, what Will Lockwood didn't sign until his end of his um, college eligibility. So, I mean, I think everyone's freaking out for no reason. And then you just tell the people, it's like, oh, he's not going to do anything in the NHL anyway. So what's the point? What big deal about freaking out about him? I think McDonough is going to be a heck of an NHL player. So, I mean, yep. he may, he's not going to be a superstar first line guy, but I still think he can be, uh, you know, that type of 20, maybe a 15, 20 goal score power play specialist type. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I think people are just, just, I mean, it's not WHL related, but we were talking about the NCAA. So, yeah, um, of course. 
I think McDonough does he'll sign with the Canucks. Everyone's just freaking out because, you know, guys have done this. They've gone to free agency and signed with Adam someone Fox. else. Adam Fox, a big example of that, but he didn't have a good relationship with the Calgary flames. I mean, he didn't No, I mean, <laughs> so, and um, doesn't yeah. sound like McDonough has a bad relationship with the Canucks. So I think just, just settle down. And <laughs> I think it'll be all good. I, I think so too. I think, I think at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. I know people were quite concerned when Thomas Drance and um, they reported that, what was it? He stated like his coaches, he talked to his coaches and his coaches said this and people kind of highlighted that saying, Oh, this is not good. His coaches are telling him what to do. And you and it says he also it, talked to Alvin too. So exactly. And that's the thing. <laughs> people don't read into anything. They just, read a headline and they don't click the link but that, that's just exactly <laughs> the thing though it's your coaches as well though are very influential people and it, these coaches for him could be extremely influential people like people that he looks up to as father type figures yeah right so he's looking for advice and he's a young kid who want, is making a big decision and yeah i don't think there's anything to worry about i think he sounds like he wants to come to Vancouver um, and he knows that there's a role here for him whenever he wants to come. So yeah, I think that works out well for both parties in the end. I don't think we see an Adam Fox type scenario. And regardless, if we do Calgary got what Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin out of that. Yeah. Out of that. I'm okay if we can get something like that. Like you get a top six guy and a and a top four defenseman. I don't know what Noah Hannafin's really doing this season, but you you get those types of players. I mean, that's okay. But but enough on that. I mean, <laughs> that that's just procrastination for the future. But I don't think you see. I don't think he opts out of his contract or anything like that. I think he um, rides out next season and then signs in Vancouver. And there we go. And all hope you know, that we are in the playoffs next year and he can join us for a playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I really like his game. I've, I've written multiple times on him and yep. the way he's grown and the way his, you know, he's improved his skating, which is a big knock on his draft. Um, yeah. You know why he dropped so far in that draft and he's got a heck of a shot on the power play. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I say, don't, say that you know no one should expect he's going to be a 30 40 goal scorer that's you know that's high expectations that you shouldn't have for him i think he's a 15 20 goal maybe and a good guy to be on the power play and be in that middle you know top nine and for a sixth round pick sixth round pick i believe um that's pretty good (laughs) yep absolutely no i think that that works out perfect i mean you can develop that type of play it's like we talked about earlier today um in the show you know, those types of players, whenever they develop, it's always super awesome to see. And if he can pan out into, you know, even a top nine, then that's a win for the Canucks at the end of the day, no matter yeah. what. Um, but I think that about does it for today's show. Um, we rambled on enough today. Um, <laughs> good topics, though. So thank you guys for listening. Of course, uh, we always appreciate uh, the shares and likes on Twitter. Uh, be sure to follow us at Western Centric. Um, and you can follow our links down below to both of our writing profiles over at Canucks Army and at the Hockey Writers for Matthew. Um, thank you guys again, and we will catch you next week. We do have a special guest next week, so we're excited. Um, we'll catch you guys next week, though.